Welcome to today's Church Central podcast. We're a family of churches across Birmingham. To find out more, head to churchcentral.org.uk. What does God want to do in your life in 2023? What does God want to do in your life in 2023? I don't mean what are some of the things that you would quite like to happen in your life in 2023, though that's not an evil question to ask. And I don't mean what do you want God to do in your life in 2023? That's a great question, but it's not today's question. My question is what does God want to do in your life in 2023? Where is God committed to taking you this year? What spiritual goal or goals does God have set out in his little action group on how he is going to act in your life this year? What is God throwing his cosmos-creating promise-keeping, mind-bending power and energy behind in your life in 2023? You see, if we don't know the answer to that question, we're going to get really confused and really fed up with God really quickly this year. In fact, some of you, it might already have happened It works like this. If we think that God's passionate agenda in our life is A, B, and C, and we're looking to him to do that, and we're believing him to do A, B, and C, but all along God's actually working really hard on doing X, Y, and Z in your life, then we're going to feel pretty let down pretty quickly by him. If we head into this year thinking, or at least subconsciously assuming that God's agenda in our life is our clear career progression this year, or helping us become well-liked, or granting most of our wishes pretty quickly like a good little genie, or the removal of our pain, or staying out of our way so that we can follow our heart in peace, But all along, God is working from a completely different set of assumptions and goals and aims and desires for your life. Then we're going to find ourselves in tension, spending a huge amount of time feeling like he's let us down or even like he's against us. We need to know where is God trying to take us in our life? What's the goal? What are some of the destinations that he's committed to leading us to? And in the verses that Sophie read out in Mark chapter 1, we get some answers. Now, I'm willing to admit these verses aren't really about 2023. They're not really about you at all. They're about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. They show us three places that God takes Jesus at the start of his ministry. But for those who are Jesus' apprentices, his disciples, following in his path, following the way, taking up our cross and following him, walking in his footsteps, I believe it's safe to say that these are some of the same destinations that God has in mind for each of us this year. As God actively and deliberately shepherds you through the next days, weeks and months, these are at least three of the places he wants to take you. And just so you know where we're going, 
here are the three destinations. He wants to take you to intimacy with himself. He might well want to take you to the desert. And he definitely wants to lead us out with him on mission. I'm just going to pray that he would speak. God, thank you that you have been marinating on this message for quite a while. And I thank you that you speak. And God, we bring to mind the words of that song, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Every hour I need you. Um, I just ask that you would speak, that this would be uh, uh, an experience of God just cutting through uh, and the word sharper than a double-edged sword, just getting past some of the things we put in the way. Pray you'd cut, cut us to our hearts. I pray we wouldn't harden our hearts as we hear your voice. I pray that it be your voice that we hear. We just depend on you. Amen. Three destinations that he's leading us to. Above everything else, first and foremost, he's leading us to intimacy and closeness with himself. Verse 9 says this. One day Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and John baptized him in the Jordan River. As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. These words are right at the start of Jesus's ministry, his years of doing the stuff, his years of putting into action all the stuff, his years of active service. And right at the outset, before he does any tasks, before he calls any disciples, before he gives any sermons on any mounts, before he leads any teams or holds any meetings, before he serves his community, before he heals, before he saves a single soul, he's drawn to a river. And in this river, he is plunged less interestingly into water And more interestingly, he's plunged into this tangible experience of the overflowing, overwhelming, overspilling oceans of love that his heavenly father has for him. Just picture the scene. I don't know how recently you've been to the River Jordan, but imagine it if you need to. Jesus is there, and as he goes down into the water and then comes up, the Holy Spirit, God's very Spirit, starts to hover and flutter down to gently rest on him like a dove, very gentle, very close, very intimate. And as the Spirit just rests on him, a voice is heard belting out from heaven. And it's the voice of a father, But unlike many fathers' voices on earth, it's a booming voice, not of condemnation or of drivenness or of disappointment or of a bar to reach. At this stage, it's not even a voice that's sending him on a task. First up and underpinning everything as the soil from which all else in the three years that were to come would spring is the father's voice of love of joy, of affirmation. You are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. 
He's saying, I take great pleasure in you, my boy, already. You don't need to go and do any stuff to hear this from me. I am thrilled with you, my son, already. Now, of course, if you know your theology, you'll know that it's not like in this moment something suddenly changes in Jesus' relationship with his father. It's not that God wasn't keen on Jesus, and then once he got baptized, then suddenly he gets on board and he says, oh, now I'm quite pleased with you. No, Jesus was always and eternally fully loved by his father. He was fully accepted by the father. He was delighted in by the father. That was always a fact. But in the river, he experiences it. He experiences the love of the Father as he hears the voice and as the the loving, affirming word of God comes to him, as the Spirit flutters and touches him, he experiences that intimacy. And that is what the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are wanting to do in your life in 2023. More than clearing all obstacles and difficulties and hardships out of your life, God is deliberately and sovereignly shepherding you by any means necessary in such a way as to wake you and woo you into a deeper intimacy with himself. That's his goal for your year. You see, for any who have faith in Jesus Christ, we now get to share in the same intimate relationship with the Father that Jesus has. We become God's children in whom he takes great pleasure. And what we see in the river as true of Jesus, if we trust Christ, is actually true of us too. There's a few verses that want to dwell on Galatians 3 26 it's not just Jesus who is a child of God for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus 1 John 3 verse 1 see how very much our father loves us for he calls us his children and that's what we are it's not just a thing for Jesus in the river it's for us Romans 8.15, you received the fluttering spirit when he adopted you as his own children. And all of that is objectively true as a fact, whatever you do with my message today. It's a fact for us to cling on to as disciples. But do you know this? God's desire for your year is not simply that you would know a fact God's desire for your year is not that you'd be wandering along in life, never really engaging with him, but simply knowing that technically you're his kid. What sort of dad does that? No, the father longs to be with you, to spend time with you to draw us more and more into an actual experience of this intimacy so that we can enjoy him. And pretty much every act of God in your life in the coming year, the ones you like and the ones you don't like, 
are centered around that goal. And the question really is, will we resist that work of God in our life? Or will we let him draw us closer to himself? Will we set ourselves up in our homes and in our days in resistance to that goal of God, either in sort of um, flat-out hard rebellion or much more likely, I would guess, by resisting him like I tend to resist a hard phone call or an awkward meeting or an unpleasant household chore where obviously I know I really should do it and I obviously know it would factually be better for me to to do it and I actually know from experience that it would be more full of life and joy for me to do them Um, but I don't want to and I think they're going to be really terrible things to do I can't therefore really be bothered and so I put them off Do we put off God and distract ourselves and assume that the soul rest that we're longing for will actually come through some other means, like uh, getting that to-do list even more done or entertainment or whatever it might be for you? Or will we admit that we need him and we're lost without him and we need more than just the fact? We need intimacy with God. That's true if you're on your knees this morning and you need Helen Ryman's word of your knees getting strengthened. You need him. And it's true if you're like all guns blazing, ready to go, let's do it this year. Because Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. (laughs) You can do all the stuff you like and it's nothing. Unless you're with me. Jesus wants to lead you. He's wooing you to his feet again this year. But that's not all. Because Jesus in Mark chapter 1 isn't only taken to a river and probably neither will you be in 2023. Secondly, he's also taken to a desert. Verse 12, the spirit then compelled... Pardon? The spirit then compelled, pardon? The spirit then compelled Jesus to go into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan for 40 days. He was out among the wild animals and angels took care of him. I don't know very much about deserts. I don't think I've ever been in a desert. But I tell you what I know, a desert is different to a river. In the river, we had flowing waters. In the desert, we have a dry and thirsty land. In the river, loving words from the Father dominated the soundscape. And maybe the the. I don't know if the Holy Spirit tweeted because he was a dove. I don't, I don't know. But in the desert, Jesus' ears are filled with nothing but the accusing and tempting words of Satan. 
some howling wild animals and a whole lot of silence. In the river, he's with community and he's uh, held onto by his close relative. In the desert, he's isolated. Angels there, yes, but also the animals. In the river, things feel secure and intimate and pretty lovely. And in the desert, things feel dangerous and distant and dry. And here is the surprising thing. Not that Jesus gets sent to a desert, but that it was the Spirit who compelled him to go there. Verse 12, the Spirit compelled Jesus to go out into the wilderness. You see this all through Scripture, that we, understandably, want to attribute the harder times in our life, you know, the harder experiences in our life, you know, the difficult seasons of our life, we want to attribute those times to Satan or sin. Like, I'm feeling this way because Satan's opposing me, or I'm feeling this way because I must be sinning in some way. And if you know your Bible, you know that, you know, Satan and sin are two pretty important factors in life, and those are definitely a thing. But note here that it isn't Satan or spin or sin behind the desert experience, but the spirit. The same gentle spirit, it's not different, the same gentle spirit from the baptism sometimes sends us to the wilderness. And you don't need me to explain that the uh, desert language we're talking about here in the Bible isn't only relevant to going to a physical desert. It's actually a glimpse into a little picture of the times of our lives that feel less like a river and more like a desert. And grief can feel like that. And mental illness can feel like that. And uh, changes and transitions in our life that we're getting our head rounds can feel like that. And spiritual dry spells or existential crises of faith or uh, what in church history has come to be described as a dark night of the soul can feel like that. And apathy and distraction can feel like that. And persecution can feel like that. And setbacks can feel like that, and disappointments can feel like that, and physical sickness can feel like that. They can all lead to us feeling that we are very far from the rivers of God's love, and we're instead disoriented and stuck without our spark and unsure where to turn for relief. And do you know what? For reasons that he doesn't always reveal, but that are probably tied to the first point, his overwhelming desire to lead us into deeper intimacy with himself, which is our deepest need, God often chooses to take us through such experiences. Where is God taking you in 2023? I'm telling you this so that you're not surprised. You know, Peter says, don't be surprised at the fiery trial that's coming on you, as though something strange was happening. This sort of thing's happening to people all around the world, he says. And so I say to you, don't be surprised. God might well lead you into a a wilderness. He might already have led you there. I did um, 10 episodes on this in the pandemic. So if you want more 
rambles and deep dives on the theme of God in the wilderness, then scroll back on the Apple website to the Church Central South podcast and uh, with much irrelevant application to being locked down, you can find lots of rambles on what it feels like to be in a wilderness. But before I move on and kind of wrap us up with that final point, I just want to underline two quick pastoral comments for the one, two, or a hundred people in this room who feel like they're in something of a desert right now. Two thoughts. One, being in the desert is not a sign that God doesn't love you. Can you please remember the order of the words that Sophie read out to us? Remember the order. God has already declared his love and his delight and joy in Jesus. And then comes the wilderness experience. God's well-loved, delighted in children experience desert times. You are loved You are loved. Jesus went to the ultimate desert experience where he thirsted on the cross so that you could ultimately drink the waters of life because you are loved. And so I know that when you're in the desert, it doesn't feel like God's loving you, but he is. Second little pastoral comment is this. Being in the desert is not forever. Most... Not all, and I'll caveat this in a sec, but most desert experiences, even in this life, do pass after a time. For Jesus, he was in the desert for 40 days. For the Israelites, if you know the story, they're in the desert for 40 years. For Peter, caught in the shame of denying Jesus, He was in the desert place for three days that felt like 400 years. But a little bit of patience and a little bit of wisdom from older Christians can tell us that most desert times do pass. Or at the very least, in their intensity, they change and evolve. Because life is very akin to seasons, wise people tell me. And there are times of harsh winter and there are times of summer. There's a time for mourning and a time for dancing. And so to you in the desert, keep going. Don't give up. Don't lose your nerve. Hang in there. And where they don't pass very quickly or where it seems even very insensitive for me to suggest that it will pass for you, even in things that last a lifetime... Perhaps a a hope that never gets realized or a lifelong condition or a sickness that does lead to death or something that it would be impossible to ever imagine you might move past. The Christian faith has excellent news, especially in that stuff, because compared to even all that we experience now, after the desert time, a new creation is coming. Jesus is returning, and whatever affliction you hold, even if it never comes through to resolution in this life, will be in the light of eternity, a light and momentary affliction, surpassed by the weight of glory, of being before God forever. So, even if it's not passing, keep going.
Don't, hold your, don't lose your nerve. Hold your ground. So where in 2023 is God taking us? He's going to be drawing us to intimacy by any means necessary. Will we go with him? Don't be surprised if he leads you to a desert season. And very lastly, he's very committed still to leading us with him out on mission. See, in verse 14, Jesus is no longer in the desert, but he's in Galilee and he's sharing now what he calls the good news. And in verse 17 and 18, I won't read it, but to paraphrase, he calls two very unlikely lads, working class young guys who are in the middle of a day's work. And he says, follow me. I have a big vision for your life. I have kingdom work for you to do. So leave the fish and come out on mission of putting out the nets of God's love to draw people to him with me. To share what... Jesus knew from the river his experience of the Father's love with the world to make disciples who then make disciples. Now, because it's Jesus that I'm talking about, we're not surprised to find him out on mission. It's sort of in the job description. He's the saviour of the world. He's kind of got to go and do it. What about people like you? What about people like us who are wounded and weakened? Surely God's not really going to use us. But don't miss the order of the words that Sophie read out. See, Jesus has been taken out to a desert. He's had no food. He's been attacked relentlessly by Satan. Consider the dark night of the soul that he's been in. Consider the psychological strain he's been under. Consider the fatigue, the exhaustion, the trauma, the place of physical weakness that he's been taken to, the low ebb which he has found himself in. And you would be very forgiven for not kind of expecting him to burst out as the most energetic evangelist the world has ever seen. But here, the weak, hungry, tempted, isolated Jesus of the desert season is drawn back and sent out with the love of God. Maybe you've been in the desert and you think, I'm not quite sure that God's going to be able to use me anymore. Like in the glory days when I had some energy, maybe. But I think his plan for me is to keep my head down and attend some Sundays and plod. No. God wants to include us to include me, to include you in his work of fishing for people this year. This year, he is not committed to giving you everything you want. He's not. But he is committed to his mission of drawing people to himself this year. And he will be leading us and shepherding us to engage again as those who will speak for him in this city. And so I encourage you in 2023 to please look again at your lifestyle and decision making and look again at how you're setting things up and ask afresh, am I on mission with Jesus? Am I a witness for him? Am I fishing for people to draw them to the love of God? Am I doing that? 
Who are we including? Who are we drawing closer? Who are we moving towards? And look, there are no gimmicks in mission. There are no tricks in mission. All the gimmicks are just gimmicks. Do you know what the plan is in mission? It's disciples. It's disciples. It's God's mission strategy is us. And the only question is whether we will push against that movement of God in our life or whether we will relent and go where he's taking us. So there we have it. Three places that God wants to take you this year. Above all else, watch for him drawing you to intimacy. Will you accept that invitation? Or will it be a a chore you resist? And don't be surprised if he takes you to the wilderness. And join him as he leads you out on mission to make disciples.